we're back once again. This is Man Up, the men's mental health podcast. My name is Andy Richardson and sitting opposite me is the delightful Tommy Danqua. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. How are you, sir? I'm fine and we must say, I'm going to say it because you always remind me, <laughs> we are speaking from... LCCM, the London College of Creative Media. Boom, in one, Andy, I know, work. I'm getting good at this, aren't I? Smooth, <laughs> smooth as a billiard ball. It's almost like you come here to study or something. Well, I do. And if <laughs> anyone does want to study a creative media degree, then they could go to lots of places. But I would definitely recommend this one because they've helped us a lot in the past year. Is it? A year? Oh, my God. Let me, let's just stop for a second. Is this our anniversary? No, it's not, is it? No. No, it's not, is it? Not no, no, ja- no, actually, it was January. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, look, it was, we've done the seven-month itch. We're still together. We are still together. I'm so as fond of you now as I was back then. Well, that's, yeah, that's quite, and, and likewise as well. You know, I don't <laughs> hate you, which is which is great. <laughs> Always a bonus. But, but, you know, they do say absence makes the heart grow fonder, and it has been a while. Yeah. It? yeah. I mean, the last time, last time we met up, it was... Um, in the in the sort of sweatiness of the of the summer, it was like around sort of August time, wasn't it? Oh goodness! Yeah. And what a change, you know, when you look outside when it's drech, uh, as they say in Scotland. Absolutely. So we're doing an early one today, and it was actually dark when I got out of the house. Oh god, it is very early. That was your fault, actually. You suggested the early start. Actually, no, it was our guests' fault. Actually, I think that suggested the early. I think we should early... point fingers. We, I mean, we, we will. We'll... Let's not start fighting. Let's yeah, yeah. push the blame on somebody else. <laughs> Because we do have a guest today, um, we we won't um, we we will go into well we we're due for a massive catch up because loads have been happening in our, our lives recently. We've had l- so much going on that I think our next podcast is going to be just the two of us. I think we can make it if we just just the two of us. <laughs> so so um, so we'll save that uh, uh, until next time. Um, so our guest this week. Uh, his name is Ben Thexton, and he's come all the way down from the Wirral, which is uh, near Liverpool, uh, and got up at uh, the crack of dawn to come down here. So we're very grateful for him to come down. Um, in 2012, he had a car accident, which uh, left him in a coma for a number of days. And uh, as a result of that, um, he has suffered from anxiety, depression, all sorts of mental health problems. And then basically after a bit of research, he was, uh, he, he sort of, he was told he was suffering from PTSD, which yeah. is post-traumatic stress disorder, which is something that we've not uh, discussed before. And also something that I think a lot of people sort of associate with uh, war vets, don't they? And stuff like that. So That's true. This yeah. is, you know, for me, this was quite an uh, eye-opener that, oh, actually, you don't have to go to war, suffer with PTSD. Yes. Yes, easy for you to say. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it doesn't end there. Um, the The story beca- has become even more remarkable because he's basically his brother went through almost the, exactly the same uh, thing. He went into a coma after an accident himself. So as a result, uh, he started to write down his uh, experience of it all and um out of it has has, uh, has come a book which got published earlier this year called um an unexpected journey which is a nod to 
the worlds of world of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so it's a very um, it's a very interesting and very um, enlightening story, especially for us uh, us men. He's a man, which always helps as well. Always a result being yeah. a men's mental health podcast. Yeah. So we're going to talk about PTSD, and uh, I, I think I've witted on for quite a while. So let's introduce our guest, Ben. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? All good. Thank you for joining us. No Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, we've been uh, speaking for a while um, on social media, haven't we? I think that's how we're yeah, on social yeah, media. Yeah, on Instagram. And um, obviously, we're in the midst of doing quite a lot of bits and pieces, quite busy. And uh, I uh, I mean, I obviously I saw your page and I was like, I was intrigued instantly. Like, surviving a brain injury is your handle on Instagram, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I was sort of like, well, this is amazing. And then sort of looking at the story, I mean, I was blown away and not just blown away by the actual story itself, but more importantly, how you've turned a negative in such a positive and all the amazing stuff you're doing. Yeah. So again, like, you know, we can, we will whittle on and talk about how great it is, but I'd love to hear your story, you know, let's yeah. hear it from the horse's mouth. Well, let's, yeah, well, let's go right back to the, the start of it all. Um, can, can you describe the, the sort of night of the, of the accident and what happened? Yeah, so it was in June 2012. It was around lunchtime and I was 24 at the time. And we'd, me and my girlfriend had just bought a house, I think a week before. Um, and I was crossing the road and I was hit by a car. So I was put into a coma um, because I had a, a bleed on the brain and I was kept asleep for about 10 days, something like that. Um, but when I woke up, I had so many physical injuries. I had a broken shoulder, broke my jaw. Um, I'd had all marks on my face. My ear canal was crushed. Um, so it was pretty easy to for people to go, oh, you okay, okay, because you had so many physical injuries. And then sort of once they go, you're left with the damage or or, or what damage there is uh, that's been done. Uh, the issue was always when I woke up, they couldn't tell me what sort of damage had been done because every brain injury is different. And when you get a knock to the head or when you have a, 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 a hemorrhage, which effectively is what it was, um, it forms new connections, and often with brain injuries, it affects your frontal lobe, which is your personality, your cognition, your emotions. So you often find with people that have brain injuries that their personality changes. Um, so you probably hear in the news of people who've had brain injuries, and then you know, they split it with their wives and things like that. So it was it was tricky, um, but because I was twenty four, I just just got on with it. I didn't know what to do. Um, I couldn't really. There was no reference point. There was not. There was nothing I could relate to to say. Oh, this is the correct way to do things. So I sort of just went straight back to work, and just ploughed on. Um, I got married. Um, we finished refurbishing our house, and then my daughter was born in August of 2015, and that's when I started to notice that I was having issues with um, becoming forgetful becoming irate, starting to feel depressed and having anxiety. Uh, and it just snowballed. And up until that point, I'd never told anyone anything. I, I just basically just self-taught and uh, bottled things up. Um, and then when my daughter was born, obviously, you get no sleep. So you, 
you're already on low reserves energy uh, anyway when you've had a brain injury because you you know you suffer from fatigue or they call it neuro fatigue which is uh, where your brain gets uh, tired much quicker than somebody who hasn't had one and then you add to the fact that you're getting no sleep at all f from a newborn baby it just made it even worse and i remember one night uh, my wife uh, now wife sean uh, she had the baby in her arms and i came down the stairs and said i need to see somebody i'm struggling um and then i was put in touch with a brain injury team like a a post care team it was uh, and that's when i was uh, told i've had ptsd and i was suffering uh, from severe neural fatigue as well so um that's basically where it stops and then i started to go to classes go to uh, a neuropsychologist who would see me every week um and i started to feel a bit better because the, the thing with the thing with mental health and and sort of brain injuries it, it, it's aligned a little bit it's not understanding what it is you can't if you break your leg you know you've broke your leg but if you've got a mental health condition or a perceived mental health condition you can't say uh, i've got this because of this or I've got this and you can't prescribe it. But when somebody actually tells you what you've got is a thing, then it's easier, I think anyway, because you can think, right, well, it's a thing. I know it's a thing. It's not just me going mad because that's half the problem. You think, you, you think you're going crazy. Um, so I started to feel a little bit better. And then uh, the boxing night of 2015, that was when my brother had an accident on a night out, which resulted in him being in a coma as well. And he was in exactly the same intensive care unit in exactly the same hospital. So I go back and it's like, so PTSD is obviously uh, post-traumatic stress. So you go back and you hear the same noises, the smells, people that you recognize. Um, yeah, it was, but at the same time, you're there for a reason. So you sort of block it out again because you've got no other choice. And yeah as soon as he thankfully he did make a full recovery but as soon as he woke up that was it then I, I went home and was like right i need to i need to sort myself out and that was when i started writing a diary and then eventually i turned it into a book um yeah. uh, what what sort of puzzles me throughout all this is you would have thought that if someone has a sort of life-threatening brain injury where your brain has you know, physically been been altered, and it's definitely. I mean, you know, you hear so many stories, like you say, of people be, having brain injuries and their personalities being affected. What was the aftercare like? I mean, I would have thought that, you know, there would be someone checking up on you quite regularly after that sort of thing. Well, basically, when 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 you wake up, um, the first thing they'll look for is any physical impairments. So they'll look to see if you're having difficulty with moving any of your limbs and that type of stuff. And then in terms of um, who you are as a person, it's very difficult for somebody to diagnose that because if your personality's changed, they don't know who you were prior. Yeah, so how do they know? So they did do like occupational therapy with me. Um, I was didn't help because I was quite pig-headed so when I woke up I woke up on the Sunday from intensive care and I was discharged on the Tuesday um so I was moved to a ward I think on the Monday 
and I was like, I need to go. I, I can't stay here. <clears throat> so I needed to be discharged by a um, a physio because I'd forgotten how to walk momentarily. Because sort of when you wake up, you you know you've probably not used your legs for uh, a week, two weeks. So you remember how to walk. You just yeah, you, it's just not connected. It's just not connected. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah like the batteries are gone or something. Yeah, um, and had to have stitches out. I had to go and see occupational uh, therapy. So they did like a, it was like an IQ test, you know, to to, to see uh, how you were getting on. But the funny thing was, you were on like um, it's almost like a three minute a three minute delay. So if you can imagine, I would talk about something for about about three minutes. And then I'd repeat it again, exactly the same thing. Wow, it's crazy. It didn't last long though. Um, it it didn't last long. It, it, but yeah, it was just part of the healing process. There's so much I, you could go. I could go on forever about lots of the different things. I do that a lot, but that, I I put that down to age. I just yeah. forget what I was, <laughs> yeah. Forget what I was yeah, yeah, like a goldfish. It, yeah, it feels yeah. like you don't realize. You don't realize at the time. Yeah, yeah. Only, yeah. only looking back, some. People said, "Oh, you've um, already said that." Yeah, you've already said that. Um, the honest but, people, the people that are like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. See, what really struck me uh, was something you said when you in that description when you said, um, uh, "You know, I bounced back. I was twenty four. I was twenty four years old. I just got on with it." Yeah. You know, and do you think that there's something in the psyche of the twenty four year old proud young man from Liverpool? that just just that it you know because it's man up it's a men's mental health podcast so do you think it's down to your the fact that you're a young bloke and your pride that sort of got in the way and and you know caused the block absolutely yeah you you you're brought up like probably everybody else when you when you when you're young big boys don't cry man up get on with it uh suck it up all all these types of uh things that you get told when you're younger you take that into adult life you're a man and men don't suffer men just have to just get on with it and you and a lot of it as well is proving people wrong so young men are you know we've got egos we're, we're pig-headed we're cocky we're confident we're arrogant yeah. you wake up you i two weeks previous i just bought a house i had a job and then two weeks later i'm lying in a a hospital bed with all wires attached to me. I can't go to the toilet or anything. Yeah. And neuro uh, surgeon comes in and explains what's happened and says, you know, sort of like tells you what your future might be. And it wasn't what I wanted. And that was why, why I said, no, I'm going to leave and I'm not going to let this beat me. It did a little bit, but <laughs> um, yeah, it was completely the wrong thing to do. And I know that now, but at the time it was just, uh, this is, this is not going to be me. And no was just not an answer or can't. It was just, just wasn't in my vocabulary. It's almost like a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Because yeah. you kind of want to have that sort of fight in you that, you know, you can't. Yeah, yeah. But I think sometimes we do need to just be like, actually, yeah, I need to kind of. It, it is a blessing and, it's a, and, and there's a time for it. And there is a time when you need to reflect, but it's just having the awareness. And what I did at the beginning saved my life, I think, because having that drive to just go, put two fingers up to to what they what they were saying helped mm. but then all you do then is you just bottle things up and you don't give yourself later down the road was was would have been when I should have opened up a little bit more and expressed myself and I didn't 
and I bottled things up for many, many years. So uh, how how was your family like your wife and that? I mean, did was it their reaction to you that you really sort of noticed that you like hell? I'm I'm having this. I've had a real personality change here. I mean, how were they through it, the whole thing? Um, my wife and my my parents, my brother, my sister, all my extended family of they're all great you can't expect somebody to be able to deal with this because it's so unique and the support they've given has been amazing but from a personal point of view you don't notice well i didn't notice anyway any change and don't forget as well i was 24 25 26 going into sort of late 20s i'd not experienced anything before i'd literally just moved from parents house and got a full-time job so when I was experiencing anxiety and depression and, and stress, I just thought it was normal. And I just thought, oh, this is, this is life. I didn't realize that it wasn't normal and it was not okay. It, it wasn't okay what, what I was feeling. Um, and because I was a, a man, I thought, well, I'm not going to speak to anybody. So I've just got to get on with it. This is life now. Um, and yeah, that was one of the main reasons why I didn't say anything, didn't speak up and, until... It was becoming harder to hide the the emotions rather than suppress them. I used to be able to suppress them and just keep myself busy to keep my mind occupied. Because when I was on my own was when I was would when when I'd struggle, and which I'm sure you know a lot of people can resonate. Yeah, that's with. The def definitely because you're you're your own worst enemy with yeah, both yeah. depression and anxiety. And the longer you are on your own mulling things over and getting in, the, in these terrible cycles you know if you can the trouble with that i find is the trouble with um because a lot of people do that they busy themselves to get away from their own demons and i and it's great but it, it, you are literally putting things off you are distracting yourself and eventually you do have to sort of look yourself in the eye and deal with deal with yourself at, at some point you know would you not? Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, you mentioned that it was when your daughter was born that that's when you it really sort of hit you. I think it's um, there's a massive connection between having a child and, you know, any, well, you know, from personal experience, when I found out I was going to be a dad, I was suppressing lots of stuff. But then you sort of start thinking about, oh, my God, I'm responsible for another life now. And it's almost like the floodgates open and all the things that you've managed to squash and stuff you can't deal with because there's that overwhelming sense of emotion and, you know, it, like I said, it pours out of you. Yeah. So I don't think it's, yeah. I mean, so just talk, talk us through that a little bit. Like when you realised that it was happening, what sort of steps did you take then? You said you went to, you spoke to your wife about it. Yeah, I spoke to my wife and um, I was put in touch with, uh, it, it, it's called the Acute Brain Injury service and it's based in chester which is just just by the wirral and i was put in touch with a, a neuropsychologist who spoke to me um i also went to a fatigue management class as well but they were difficult because especially the classes a lot of the people were at stroke um stroke survivors and they, they tended to be a lot older than me mm. um a lot of brain injuries or traumatic brain injuries what i had tend to be of people about my age but they tend to be more, the, the you know, the, the effects after are a lot more severe. So there's there's a lot more problems. So in a way, I, I felt a bit, uh, I don't know, what's the phrase? Like a duck out of water, fish out of water or mm. something. But out of place. Um, 
didn't didn't belong. Yeah, just yeah, a little bit. It was good. Yeah. It was good, but it, I didn't relate to it, and I, that was what I always found that I, I just didn't relate to to any of it. But when the neuropsychologist explained to me what it was, then, like I said before, it it, it was a thing, and then I was able to sort of self medicate, self teach myself a little bit more. Yeah. But all of that that's happened, I'm grateful for because. I've transformed my entire life and the things I've done since have just been as on as a result of that and it, it's been it's been life-changing yeah we'll talk about those in in in, in, a, in a minute I'm, I'm just curious to talk a little bit more about PTSD itself because um we've spoken a lot about depression and anxiety especially because myself and Tommy are or and have been sufferers but how do you sort of how would you describe ptsd and how would you say it differs from anxiety and depression and how is it treated what is the sort of nhs or what's like the stock treatment for for that well personally the the um, the side effects i'd have was of the events what happened and sort of the days before the days after well obviously the days after because i was in a coma but the days before certainly uh, you have no memory of so it's completely just blocked from your conscious um it's buried away somewhere deep in your in your brain and what what i found was that there were certain smells uh, certain sounds certain faces that would trigger something in me um usually it was fear it wasn't anger it was fear so a certain for example, um, I'd smell something, and for some reason, I just, I just be overcome with fear. Um, that, that was what I used to suffer with. Or if I was going for a walk, for example, I'd take the dog for a walk, and I'd forget I was to get home. <laughs> yeah, that's ha- that happened a couple of times, and panic attacks as well. Yeah, I have panic attacks, but it, I think um, I wasn't. I can't really remember exactly what the, what they gave me that they just said you have post-traumatic stress and those were the symptoms i had but i think what it was was your brain making a connection with some sort of external stimulus and it connecting to to that part of your memory which it sort of blocked out but because you can't get closure from it because they won't your brain isn't showing you what happened i think that, that that's what it is it, it's almost like having a flashback but not understanding what you're flashing back to, and and you just over like I say, you just overcome with fear. And is is it? And so when you say you don't understand what they gave you, I mean, what you on medication or therapy no. or what? All oh, right. So. I was never given any medication. Um, the only time I was ever offered any was when I went to the GP a few months later, and they tried to give me antidepressants, but I never took them. Um, in terms of other than that, I was I was never given or offered any medication. And th- with post-traumatic stress, you've, you, you've got, you've got post-traumatic stress. And then in terms of treating it, often it's to do with things such as your fatigue, uh, your stress levels and, and things like that. And reducing them down to an acceptable level helps, helps with it. So that's when you talk about doing, you know, you've managed to self, self, sorry, I've done it again. Sorry, throwing the microphone into my face. <laughs> um, so this is when you talk about as you're able to self, uh, more self-medicated yeah this is what yeah. you did so what practices did you put in for that just it was like relaxation yeah there was so many things so writing the book was number one because you're getting closure 
So I immediately started asking people what happened, what happened then, what did the doctors say, that type of stuff. So, and I said, I want to know everything so I can deal with it. So I was told everything from, from the, the morning or the uh, lunchtime up until the point where I was discharged and I, I found out everything, all of, all of the gory details, uh, which was difficult, but it was cathartic because, you know, and it helped. It, it really helped. And then I was able to, ah, oh, that's why I have that reaction. And that's why when I see that, you know, it, I was able to join the dots. Um, so that helped. And then sort of once, once I'd written the book, I just went on this journey then of just trial and error, just trying loads and loads and loads of different things. Um, so relaxing, yoga, meditating, sound healing, yeah. Kundalini yoga, uh, reading loads of books, listening to podcasts, listening to podcasts. Um, yes, yeah, just so so many things, just so many things, and you just I just found a way uh, to refine it into the, to who I am now. Yeah, amazing. It's an it's an amazing story. The right the writing. Uh, I find that actually the writing process is is a really. It's very, it's very cathartic. Even if you're not writing about yourself, there's something about sitting down. Yeah. Because you've got something concrete that you've achieved, and you know, yeah. and 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 it, and it's out there. Yeah. We were just discussing before we met you. Uh, your poor mum, like 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 the two your two brothers, both having yeah. the same. Cause I remember it just reminded me of a story on like me and my brother ended up in hospital on the same day when I was younger. No. I, I got a fishing hook in my eye. Oh god! Not my not my eyeball or my eyelid. Oh, right. I still had the maggots on it, <laughs> and um, and because they were barbed back then, they had, had to have an operation. And my brother uh, was mucking around with um, lighter fuel and set his face on fire. And we were both in hospital the same day, and I just and it just gave me a flashback uh, of of that same thing. Yeah. You know, oh my gosh, is your brother okay? Yeah, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, yeah, he's okay now. Right. So um, we're, we're both okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and does your mum just like not let you out of the house anymore? Well, she's okay, but my sister's wrapped in cotton wool. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> yeah, imagine. of course. I can yeah, imagine. just in case she yeah. can't join the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want that. So, no. so, so your book was so. So you wrote the book, and then what? You yeah. took it to pub to some publishers. So, so how was how was it picked up? And, and yeah, how's, so how's it? I, uh, I'd I'd written I'd say about a third, and then I just decided one day I'll, I'll you know I'll see if I can get it published. And I, you, you've got to do it in like a manuscript form and example chapters, references to other books, why it's important, why you're writing it, why people will buy it. And I sent it off to about 20 or 30 different publishing houses and one came back and said that they wanted to me to write the book. So I did. And I finished it a few months later and then it was published in March 2018. Amazing. Um, Fantastic. But it's just opened... It's just opened so many doors, and yeah, it's it. yeah. So when you say that, um, it like you know, um, blessing and a curse, and that because I always yeah. say that we we both say that actually mm. that that you know I always say that anxiety is one of the best things that ever happened to me, you know, because it's allowed me to change, reflect on my own life, and make changes for the better. How would you say the sort of PT, PTSD has sort of helped helped you basically, or the I mean, would you say the PTSD? PT, I can't even say it myself. PTSD. Do you think that's helped you, or the or the accident, or what? I mean, what? Well, the the, the brain injury. I don't really associate with the PTSD. I just see that as a side effect of as what had happened, and 
the way I look at the brain injury is you have people have when they're in the forties and you spoke about it in your last podcast, when you get to a certain age and then you start looking inwards and thinking, what is my life all about? Well, I had that at 24. So that's why it was a good thing because I've got a head start and it was like a kick up the arse to say, you know, tomorrow isn't promised and you just have to just, you know, you have to just grab things and, and, and go for them. And, uh, it took me a few years to realize because you get it straight away. So you, you have the initial euphoria of not dying <laughs> and then, and then you fit, you follow on with a period of why me, why did it happen to me? You're self lamenting all the time. And then you get another kick up the ass, which is obviously struggling with your mental health. And thankfully I haven't, I've just gone up since and I haven't dropped. It's an amazing turnaround. And, and for someone, you know, I, I, Sounds a bit, little bit patronising, but from the so so young, you're very sort of erudite and very you've got a very sort of grounded. I can feel his sort of calm aura about yeah, him. He's an amazing presence in the studio, isn't he? Yeah, it? yeah, it yeah. Really, yeah. is an amazing presence. Really. It's it's an it's an inspiration, I, I think. You know, for 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 other people that yeah. are, that, are, that are going through that. You know, especially like you say, like the, the you know this. We, we any any listeners that have got a military background and have had um, military sort of P, PTSD um problems or, or or any journeys then do get in touch because i'd really like to sort of know about that actually yeah, yeah. definitely yeah absolutely is it a blanket thing then ptsd or is it i mean is each thing sort of different i mean is, is it like an actual thing that they that all treat it's always treated the same or is it bespoke for each person no i think i think if you have it i think i think you're, you're given therapy and then obviously therapy is different depending on the type of ptsd you've got um, because obviously the your side effects can be different. So some people can get quite aggressive. Some people can have uh, blocks of memory where they where they do things and they don't remember doing them. Mm. Uh, because obviously their mind's taking control. There's lots of different things, but I think essentially it's it's therapy and getting to the root of of what it is. And it's opening the, it's opening Pandora's box basically. And I think I cured myself with PTSD by writing it down. By by basically saying what happened, tell me what happened, yeah. and tell me exactly the steps. So you so you literally because you sort of slowly and methodically went through exactly what happened. Yeah, your memory isn't blanked out anymore because it's there on the page. Yeah, basically. if you can imagine like standing in a bedroom, and the bedroom is your mind, and in the corner there's a wardrobe with a a monster in it, and the, the wardrobe's rattling and uh, screaming to get out, and you're just ignoring it. Well you're going over and you're opening it and you're facing it and that that's like sort of the metaphor you use you're facing it and you have the initial where it hurts because you don't really want to know but then once you know you know and then you can join the dots then and you realize why you're having the reactions you are sure and um so you when you went to the doctor initially and they offered you uh medication mm -hmm. for um for depression is it and we've all had that experience where like you know you go to your gp and the first thing they offer you is is, is some medication which is something hopefully we're, we're gonna we, you know we'll, we'll try and get away from um it w did you have to seek out the correct help yourself was it your own research that did that or did someone along the line sort of intervene and, and help you if you know what i mean um i think when I, st when I started explaining 
to my wife and my family that I was having problems and I was suffering with my mental health. That was when that it was recommended to me to go and see a GP and to speak to them about it. And that was sort of how it initially started. But to be honest, I think I was quite naive and didn't realize that there was other things that you could do. What, you know, everything I know now, I would, would probably wouldn't have gone to the GP because having anxiety, having depression is generally as a result of something previous. It's like the last step. Anxiety and depression is, is your way of expressing what you've done or how you're feeling. Um, but it's generally stuff before. And if, and if you can deal with that, then generally you won't, you won't have anxiety and depression. It's funny because, like, for my anxiety, um, you know, I've been to sort of therapy for the yeah. last sort of year, and, and, and they, um, I went to a, a psychodynamic therapist that went right back to my childhood, and uh, we spoke about things that happened when I was very young. Uh, and you've had some bad things that happened when you were sort of very young as, as a child. And in, and in a way, that is PTSD, but delayed, yeah. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, same. Yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah, it, it's so. I mean, so the difference between people with anxiety and depression who have had sort of historic stuff that's a long, long, long way back, and PTSD, which is more recent events, is it? I mean, or is there like a sort of? No, yeah. I think it's. I think. I think if it's more recent, I, I would like to think that it's more severe. Um, but you are yeah. right. I think stuff that goes on in your childhood, like like mm. what you both have just said, then. It, it forms a pattern, it forms a, a behavioral characteristic, which you take as fact. And then as you get older, you behave according to what you believe in. And it is a form of PTSD. It's not so much, it's not traumatic. It's, it's just you're looking for affirming beliefs in your external environment to prove what you thought when you were a child. But that's why you go back so far because when you were five, it's different than when you're 35. The world's completely different. Yeah, I guess because when, cause when you're growing up, your, your, your brain is still being sort of wired. And, and, but, when, yeah. but when you get something like that in adulthood, I mean, because maybe you could sort of confirm, but when, when you hear a lot about, and I've spoken to it, about it a couple of times, neuroplasticity and the, yeah, yeah. the fact that the brain can rewire itself and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. so... <clears throat> Um, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I, in the in the past couple of years, I've taken qualifications in like well-being coaching and NLP and mindfulness. And one of the things that they speak about a lot is neuroplasticity. And I'm actually writing another book on it at the moment. Oh, um, tell us, tell us. So the the book is so I qualified about six months ago in in coaching, and through obviously my previous book, I've been able to do talks and. I've been speaking to people and offering them sort of ad hoc advice and it's just something I'm really passionate about. So I've developed like a model because I've read so many books and loads and loads and loads of different self-help books and loads of theories on stuff, but they're essentially all saying the, the same thing and it is relatively simple. And that's the, the, the thing I always say is to, to keep it simple. It's, it's not rocket science. So I've written a book which sort of tries to, explain things in simple terms and one of the things is neuroplasticity um so when you're younger you your reference point is your parents or your teachers 
and your brain is malleable or more malleable than it is when you're older. So that's where your your characteristics come from. So what you're taught as a uh, as a youngster, so big boys don't cry. You're the man of the house, man up. That gets locked in, and then when you get older, that's why you find with men's mental health you have issues because they're unable to talk about it. You've got things like when you're in school, you finish second, nobody tells you to go for first, you settle for second, and then that goes into adult life. Um, there's lots of different examples you can you could probably think of now. What what you've been told when you were younger has led you on into adult life, hundred percent. So many. But when you're when you're an adult, you can still rewire. It just takes a little bit more practice. So you can change the way you think by there's loads and loads of different ways and some part of the book does go go into that um there's loads of different ways of doing it yeah. it's worked for me so yeah well clearly Absolutely. clearly tell it so yeah tell us the name of the uh, of the book then no name yet still untitled <laughs> no yeah. name yet that's yeah. a great name for a book no name, no yet. name yet. Yeah. who needs labels uh, um but you um you're also working on an online course to accommodate yeah yeah you? go on tell us a bit more about that so the online course is how i'm so i'm writing the book and the online course at the moment and i've developed um an acronym called self so the course goes through the acronym self so S stands for saying yes. So the idea behind that is we all have lots and lots and lots of different thoughts. So we have, I think it's 50,000 thoughts a day. And I think 80% of them are just completely just fabricated in our minds. So what we think about is, is just our interpretation of our external environment. So saying yes is all about accepting your thoughts and not thinking, why am I thinking that, you know, that, that type of thing. It's a process of accepting and then letting them go and accepting them and then letting them go. And it talks about um, the type of person you are. So if we go back to when you were a kid and you, you end up developing a characteristic or a, a persona or a personality, then you'll look for thoughts which affirm who you are as a person. So I don't know if you've got a hobby or something that you like doing then stamp collecting stamp collecting he's a muso he's a bass player that's what he likes that's doing. not a hobby that's my bloody <laughs> right. so you're a bass player so you go to you go to a bar you go to a bar or you both go to a bar and there's a bass player and he's not playing very well or alternatively could be playing really well you'd think oh god he's really good and then that would retain in your mind whereas you'd think yeah he's good but then you'd thought the thought would go but you'd remember it because you you uh, relate or you you associate yourself as as a bass player and you can you can use that example hundreds of different scenarios but it's um the whole point of saying yes is to accept that we have these thoughts but but letting them go and stop them our minds are sponges and we're retaining thoughts all the time and it's looking for proof you have all of these characteristics that that make you, you as a person and your mind's constantly looking for things to to feed on, to, to give it evidence. And that's what S is. Okay. E. E. <laughs> <laughs> so E is about dropping your ego. So um, th this is a big one with fellas Ooh, with 100%. Yeah. So if I if I said to somebody, um, like a friend, for example, do you fancy coming to, do you want to come to a yoga session tonight? Then they're probably going to say no. And I'll be like, why? No. Well, because I don't do yoga. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bloke. Yeah. Or... 
um, yeah, you can you can think of something now where you'd say no because your ego's stopping, mm-hmm. stopping you from doing it. So there's steps to try and stop your ego from doing it. One of them is um, when when you're talking to somebody. So if, if me and you're having a conversation, um, and I'm sure you have this with other people, where you can tell they're not listening or they're jumping in because they're desperate to have their say because they're not listening to what you're saying because their ego's saying we're not really bothered what you've got to think it's my turn now yeah so that's one step another step is to do with having positive um having a positive mindset dropping your ego and stop letting it dictate your life and replace it instead with positive positive attitude positive relationships um turning thing becoming like a spin doctor um like like what you have with politicians spin spin things into yeah. into a positive um and and that's the whole concept around e um l is yeah listen to your gut following your intuition telling the truth that type of stuff stop stop conf- stop having different personalities in in different uh social groups in work and stuff like that and it's just just being true to yourself so L is listen, 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 yeah. listen to your gut. Yeah, it's all to do with intuition and 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 following it. Uh, F is fuck it. Ooh, we like that one. Yeah, that one. tell us more. So that is so once you've got <laughs> once you've got through the three steps S E L, fuck it is all to do with now now that you've now that you've sort of broken down the barriers of your ego and you, you've started to come to accept your thoughts and you're more mindful of of the present. Um, you start planning then for for your future. Not one where I want to have ten million pound in the bank by the time I'm thirty five. That's a goal. It, it's a mission statement. It's who you want to be as a person, and it's like uh, like a lighthouse, and it, it's in the in the horizon. But you you follow the steps to you know, to, and each day you get gradually a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. But you've got that one thing guiding you the whole time. So it doesn't matter what you do in your day. Sorry. Um, it doesn't matter what you do in your day. You've got that always. That that's what your goal is, and that's the whole uh, concept of self. And then by the end, you have something called self-actualization or enlightenment. By you know, that's the whole. Yeah, that. Well, I mean, you know, because I read a lot of these, a lot of those books. So a lot, of, I can, I can. I'm thinking, yeah, but a lot of, yeah, because you've done a lot of um, research, and yeah. I mean, you do. You've done. You, you teach a bit of mindfulness as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And I can a, a lot of that was going, yep, zing, 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 yeah. and that's yeah, that's that's a really it's good a journey, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. a journey. Yeah, yeah, it's a journey. It definitely is. Yeah, definitely the fuck it one. There's been a few books like you know, uh, you know how how to not give a fuck yeah. or whatever yeah. it is, and you know, a lot of the books are rule. You know, a lot of the ones I read are they only pick up on bits. Yeah, and a lot of them are rules, twelve rules of life. Yeah, you know, do this and and. This isn't rules. This is this is a way of life. This this is this is just a way of being. Yeah. And then you can incorporate the bits you want and the bits you don't want. You can just ignore. But effectively, it's it is a way of life. And once you reach that point, there's no going back. You just yeah. become a different person. I feel quite excited because everything you just said, I'm like, yeah, I, you know what I mean. I, yeah. I, I understand that. That makes sense. This is maybe that's what I've been doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is good stuff I'm it strips get- it all back it strips it all back and i and i don't agree when people say you know when people have anxiety when people have depression and stuff then you need to you know when people say it's okay not to be okay well 
it is, but at the same time, there's a reason why you're suffering with anxiety and depression and you're doing the right thing by going to seek help. Mm. But if you strip it all back and just get back to basics, a lot of the time you find it, it helps. You just take everything, strip it all back to basics and, and keep it simple. How do you teach how do you teach your this this program and that? Have you are you what so I mean you you said you're a coach and what do you do you do it online? Do you go and visit people? Both. Or? Right. Both. Okay. So it's an online course is the is videos. So plug um, come on, plug it. I want I want to I want we want the website. Yeah. We want the we want where people can get in touch and find you. <laughs> I haven't finished Every, it. Yet. <laughs> oh, right, I know he's not finished. Yeah. No, I haven't finished yet either, but you know, I'll just do before I forget. Okay, it's we will a work do in progress. We'll, we'll yeah, yeah, it's 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 virtually finished. But I I speak to people um in person. I deliver the course like I could do it now out off the top of my head, but it's formatting it into an yeah. online oh, course in bite-sized chunks. So I haven't yet advertised it. But I'm hoping to get it out by about January time, something like that. Okay. Um, I think that's probably a good time. Well, we'll, we'll plug that. Once once we know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get it out I there. I think there's going to have to be a revisit, isn't there? Another trip down to uh, the old smoke view, the big yeah. smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, give us, yeah. Um, so so um, we like to have top tips for people because we don't want to just discuss being we, uh, stuff. We want some answers. So, okay. uh, so I want you to give us your top book to read, uh, if there is one or one or two books to read. And your top um, mindfulness stroke, meditative stroke, yogic exercise that you do that you think that would really help people. Okay. Um, a book that I really enjoy. Can I say two? Well, you should definitely it, mention your own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One That's all right. Yeah, you can read that. Yeah. That's decent. Um, uh, there's two books and they're by the same author called Robin Sharma. Um, I don't know whether you've read anything by him before. No, um, I know the name. The first book is called A Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. That's very good. And the other book is called The 5am Club and by the same author as well. Very good. Oh, that sounds like your thing, your, your uh, Miracle, Miracle Morning. morning. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So It's amazing. That, yeah. What does it say? The legends. No, 5am is the time that legends are either waking up or going yeah. to bed. Brilliant. Changes your life getting up early. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, I'll take your word for it, Chad. It really does. <laughs> it really, really does. Yeah, no, agreed. Well, not really everybody's agreed. morning. No. There is there is a thing behind it. You know, not everybody is morning. Some I mean, people are musicians. <laughs> some people some people are better at night time. I'm not very good at night. I'm better in the morning. Yeah. Hence why I said, can we but, do it early? Because I get tired later on. But yeah. I used to, I used to be a morning person and now I'm really not. And I wonder, like, part of me thinks, is it my lifestyle, my my diet? Can I change that? I mean, if I had a job where I had to get up at 5 a.m. every day, then I'd have to become a morning person. So surely mm. you can, or, or what you're saying is literally there are morning people and there are night people and never the twain shall meet. No, you, you can you can wake up anytime you want. Uh, it's a habit. But the when you're most effective can either be in the morning or of a night. Um it just depends. I think it depends whether you've got a, a structure of an evening. If you're going to bed at different times of a night, then it will affect what time you wake up in the morning. It's 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 the freelance musician, yeah. and yeah, my, my I don't have any structure to my life at all. Yeah, and I think that's that's what probably it is. probably yeah. what it is. Then you just have to get the sleep when you can. Then I suppose because yeah. if you if you're doing gigs or something of a night, you don't know what time you're going to go to bed. Yeah, yeah. Woe is me. Um, <laughs> so, okay, give us give us the um, the the exercise, the meditation thing, or something you think that we that you know. Um. Um, so, 
every every morning I'll do some sort of meditating or breathing exercise. Um, I each each uh, probably about once a week I'll go to a Kundalini yoga session. I don't know if I've done that before. Yeah, explain what is Kundalini. Explain yoga? what it is. Yeah, you mentioned so, it earlier. And yeah, I was like, so Kundalini Kundal- yoga is, um, and if somebody practices Kundalini or is a Kundalini. Uh, participant that goes i may get this definition wrong but this is my interpretation of it it's yoga but with um breathing and chanting all right so and they have different exercises each time and they're called kiras or koras um but it's very difficult very very difficult but you, you get into a almost like a trance when you do it it's really really good Right. Yeah, very See, we, we're fans of yoga, aren't we? we yeah. We, we like. Well, they say we that, do like they it. say yin yoga is very good because that's a new fad at the moment. because yeah, because yeah. yin yoga is one where you hold the poses for longer, and you. For longer than it's comfortable, but then sorry for those that obviously you can't see it on a podcast. Andy really just did strike a pose then, and he held it. He was strutting like a peacock, sort of Mick Jagger-esque. It looked amazing. <laughs> oh so yes, there's, there's a thing. There's a thing with with Kundalini yoga called the breath of fire. I don't know whether you've heard. Oh, that's that you before. in the morning, isn't it? Wait, oh. <laughs> sorry. Um, why? So let's. Uh, Shall we do a demonstration? Yeah, let's Can do, you do a little demonstration for us? Can we do this together? Let's do the breath of fire. Right, right, okay. We're getting to our yoga poses do I, do I have to? Do I have to explain what's going on here visually for people? Okay, so, right, so basically... Hold my mic. You okay. hold my mic. Okay, so, Tom, so Tommy, Tommy and Ben are now sitting opposite each other, staring at each other. No, no, yeah, you're right. Close my eyes or eyes open. Whatever you want. Okay. Okay. Okay, three, two, one. just both got their eyes closed um and obviously you heard um the very deep and quick breaths they were doing there um don't know what's happening now is that it yeah okay right okay that's just an example of wow yeah so so yeah that wasn't i was breathing in and out through my nose right yeah yeah so explain what was happening there then yeah so so the idea behind that is um it's to do with releasing releasing toxins uh, out your out your body but you'll notice when you when you did it you, you notice um you're feeling slightly lightheaded yeah hyperventilating um, yeah 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 so the kundalini yoga session is that type of breath for usually about an hour and a half but you're following yoga positions and not not only are you doing the breath of fire you're also doing things like lifting your arms up in the air and down again and um, they have different types of exercises that sounds you do. mental it is good it is really good i can imagine that being really physically yeah it is so you, you can either go to a class or if you go on to uh, youtube and just type in a like a uh, the breath of fire or breath yeah. of fire exercise it usually picks up a kundalini uh, exercise which you can do mm. yourself mm. um so i do one every morning as part of like a morning routine yeah. and it, it just gives you, gives you, gives you energy and uh, it's good. I would, I would say that's not for everyone, that, that sort of thing. No, it, it's not recommended for people with high blood pressure, w- women who are going through the menstrual cycle. Uh, people that get 
panic attacks, I would have thought it'd be quite um, possibly. Yeah, because yeah. it's because it it it's, <laughs> it's yeah, like it's similar. almost you know I was getting yeah. flashbacks of the time I was yeah, I had panic attacks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's th- 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 that's that's one I I like and that's one I'd recommend. But uh, sometimes just just listening to like a guided meditation for ten minutes in the yeah. morning, yeah. just something that'll just calm your mind down. Yeah. Uh, when you start your day, you're just nice and just relaxed and 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 grounded. And that, yeah. that, that's what you need. Yeah. Um, We're called panayamas, aren't they? The breathing exercise. Panayama. Pan- panayama. Yeah. 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 Oh, you see, Look at that. a little nod to the old yogi in the corner. Good that's work, yeah. Andy. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, that that was great. So so okay. So um, we're coming to the end of the. Po- oh my god. We're we're yeah. We've gone past the fifty minute mark. So um, mate, this happens when you have good conversations. Great yeah. guests. Time flies when you're having through. fun. So so how do people? So people need to read the book. Yeah. Uh, people read to need to read the um, the un, yet unnamed book and the yet unnamed website and stuff. But how do people get in touch with you? Give us your Instagram stuff. Give us the book name. Give us a publisher. Go for it. So <laughs> uh, I mainly do things through Instagram, uh, which is surviving a brain injury. Yep. Um, and I generally put things on there every day or Instagram story. I have a business which I've set up called Well Life, which is which is what all my coaching stuff is done through, um, which is on Facebook. And my book is called An Unexpected Journey, and the publisher's Austin McCauley. Okay. And my new book, which is unnamed, I'm hoping to have published in 2020, along with the online course and anything else I decide to do. <laughs> Brilliant. Remember everyone, self. So Tommy, what does self stand for? <laughs> Come on. Hang on. Self <laughs> is, I know this, See, no, seeing, seeing. No, you're looking at me like, no, that's not it. Yeah, so. uh, you're not getting any clues. Okay, fine. Saying. Yes. There we go. Saying yes. E. Is oh, I'm loving this. I know you're just absolutely loving people on the spot. He's he's lightheaded after the breath of fire. Okay, do you want want me to finish it off? F is fuck it. Yeah, (laughs) okay, so you've done two. Okay, cool. That's 50%. E for ego and L for listen to your intuition, listen to your yeah, listen to your guts, listen listen to to yourself. There you go, everyone. That's great advice for any of you chaps and any other genders out there. Um, we have been. Man up and uh, you have yourself a nice day, week or whatever. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye.